Coming up on today's show, we have more Spider-Man PS5 drama, crunch culture comes to cyberpunk, and we have more Pokemon DLC on the way. of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Brittany Brombucker, alongside Andrea Renee. Hey, Britt. Hi, and Christine Seimer. Hi. Hi. This is weird, but we're rolling with it. It's fun. It is weird, but I like it's okay. it, though. Weird. It's okay. You know, yeah. Yeah, so... You're so good at it, though, Britt. Oh, Andrea, thank you. I, I greatly appreciate the compliment. You know, we're keeping things a little uh, new and fresh here on What's Good Games. We're keeping it fresh and lively because we are on episode 195. Woo, child. Woo. That's a lot of episodes. It, it is, is a lot, lot of episodes. episodes. We got to start thinking about what we're going to do for episode 200. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have some we're plans, everybody. Gonna have one. We're going to have one of those. That's what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. It's true. All it right. will occur. It will, it will happen. It will be a thing soon. that happens within five episodes, believe it or not. Well, not within five <laughs> yeah. episodes. That's how math works. That's how math <laughs> works. Know. Huge shout out to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Californicated, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferris Etier, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, and Alex Rogopoulos. And welcome to our Patreon community, Matt Penza, Nick Garcia, and Stephen M. Schneider. And don't forget, you can be part of the show by going to patreon.com slash what's good games. Every Wednesday, I pull for questions and you submit questions and I insert them into the document and it's fantastic. And Andrea, we have some new podcast reviewers. We do, Brit. There were some really fun ones this week, but thank you so much to Grim 7 and Dad Rodicus, who wrote, you're all getting five stars for the Kermit knockoff brother. Yeah. Oh. The Muppet voice is paid off, Brit. Yeah, Woo. you have the Kermit voice. Well, you were the one who's called it Kermit voice, so... Yeah. I did. So it started as us talking about our Muppet voices. Yeah. And then Steimer, I think, mentioned Kermit. And then I was like, I don't know if it's quite Kermit. Because I was like, it's Kermit. He's kind of like Kermit, but he's not <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, that's the yeah. Kermit voice. You real got it's it. It's Hermie, Kermit's other brother. Yeah, oh, I need to workshop it a little bit, okay, everybody? I'm not a voice actor. I'm just pretending to be one, okay? You're very good at it, yes. Andrea. Speaking like of being <laughs> really good at things, do you want to kick off the first story? I would love to, but I do want to remind people that we have some fantastic sponsors. Me oh, undies, yeah. RTX's AT&T 5G, and Logitech. But we'll tell you more about them later. And we've got some spicy news for you today. But I do want to give one quick shout out and thank you to Danny Pina from Gamer Take Radio for guesting on Monday's What's Good Games Live. He was a ton of fun. So if you missed that episode, please do check it out. We placed a little wager if you guys missed it. We had a... A nice adult conversation <laughs> about Xbox's acquisition of ZeniMax Media and what it means for Bethesda's games, specifically for Starfield, the upcoming space RPG. The one everybody wants? You yes, mean? exactly. That one that Todd Howard has been teasing us with. The one that we know that we're getting ahead of Elder Scrolls Six. 
And he seems convinced that if Xbox was going to spend something like $7.5 billion, that there is no way that they would continue to publish Bethesda games on PlayStation. And I said, mm, I don't know. I kind of feel like Microsoft shareholders want that money to go back into the pool, even though, admittedly, Microsoft has a ton of cash and capital, and they paid for Bethesda, excuse me, ZeniMax in in cash, which is crazy to Again, think about. Yeah, pull your wallet out. Slap <laughs> it on the table. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Microsoft wins. Unless Apple's there, then Apple wins. Um, but <laughs> True. I actually don't know how much cash holdings Apple has. A conversation for another time. I digress. The bet was, will Starfield not be published on PS5? It wasn't, is it not coming to multi-platform? It was specifically just not PS5 was our bet. And I said, I cannot see a world in which they don't publish Starfield on PS5. And he said, girl, you crazy. They're <laughs> definitely not publishing on PS5. So that was essentially the bet. And so we will see what happens. I do recognize that they put out a little notification reminding people that Starfield is coming to Xbox and PC, but made no mention of it not coming anywhere else. So just want yeah, to remind mean, you of that. Honestly, I feel like that's not a decision they even need to make anytime soon. They can... I, if I were them, what I would do is I'd wait and see how the console is selling. And if you really feel like you still you need something mega to attach to it to get it to push through, that's when you go, sorry, PlayStation, we're going to try and use this as our system seller. Uh, but if it's going fine, like you're just going to make more money if you put it there too. Meh. If, you, if you feel like you have successfully differentiated enough, which Xbox has been trying to do, then I don't see why there would be a reason to keep it off of that platform. Yeah, I think the one thing that we really didn't talk about with Danny on Monday, Brittany, was the idea that Bethesda's games specifically are actually not great Game Pass candidates in the sense that if you buy them once for $60, then you have it and you can play a game like Elder Scrolls V Skyrim for two or three years. But if you have it on Game Pass and you don't buy it outright, you have to keep paying for Game Pass months and months and months at a time. And then now, how many extra dollars have you paid for a Bethesda game specifically? Obviously, there's a lot of other value in Game Pass. There's yeah. no denying of that. Mm -hmm. But if we're looking at using Bethesda's titles as an instigator for people getting into Game Pass that weren't going to otherwise... I think that that's part of the conversation that also is worth contemplating. That is an interesting thought that I had not thought about. I mean, how long does it take someone to finish an Elder Scrolls game? Years. There is no finishing. There is no finishing. Actually, yeah. Elder Scrolls. I don't think you, you literally ever do. can't finish Skyrim. Like, there's there's quests that just continue to auto generate. They just break, and then you can't complete them, <laughs> which that. is what happened to me, and therefore can't beat the game. How <laughs> are that? Yeah, no, but like you said, there are a lot of other benefits that you get. So not only do you get Elder Scrolls, I mean, unless someone's buying it specifically for that game, yes. then like, okay, the yeah. argument's valid. But interesting I mean, in thought, general, though. I don't think you should get Game Pass for one specific game. I think no. it's looking at the, oh, I get multiple games. <laughs> yeah. I can jump in and out. Right, right, or right. Or unless it's a game that you can complete in 30 days and then you pay for one month and then you dip out. And then you actually Peace. get a pretty good deal. Yeah. But that's, that's generally not... 
That's generally but that's the game studios in games. general work. They really get you by the ass there. They're like, oh, yeah. we have your credit card now, bitch. And we know that you're going to forget to cancel this shit yep. until oh. we charge you. And then you'll remember, but we've already got your oh, money. It's, it's and then terrible. you'll be like, ah, oh, next month. And then the cycle will continue. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. I can't tell you how many times I've saw that I got charged for something for $4.99. And I'm like, that's not worth the effort. And then they charge me yeah. again. And they charge yeah. me again. And before I know it, I'm like $35 into this bitch. I'm like, fuck, just because I'm so lazy. But yes, this is what they count on. They're yeah, like, me, if you sign me. up for Game Pass or whatever, we are hoping it is such an, a negligent amount of your budget that you just keep it going forever. Yeah. Pretty much. That's why everybody has subscription services these days. But if you really want to hear the rest of that conversation, please just go back an episode in your podcast feed and check it out. And please do check out our friends at Gamertag Radio. Paris put up some really good arguments in favor of Danny's argument as well. <laughs> but I still stand by our Starfield bet. Now, all the other games, that's a conversation for another time. Let's get into this week's other news, starting with PlayStation 5. So we know that there's been a lot of drama around the remaster for Marvel's Spider-Man, which originally launched on PS4 as an exclusive and will be coming as a remastered version for PlayStation 5. This week, Insomniac released a couple of new assets showing exactly what they have upgraded for this version. And boy, oh boy, you would think people would be excited. But ladies, <laughs> people are not excited about this at all. And I just... Which it's, is weird because like... It's pre it's predictable is really what it is. Gaming culture. Uh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a gaming totally. culture. It's the best. <laughs> so Insomniac announced that for the remastered version of Marvel's Spider-Man coming to PS5, that it has recast the model of Peter Parker. The announcement about changes in the PS5 version note that the studio has replaced the face of model John Budniak with Ben Jordan. The studio said that Jordan is a much better mac match for Yuri Lowenthal, the facial capture movement. So to be clear, Yuri Lowenthal is the voice actor that plays Peter Parker. The the original model was a man named John Bobniak. Bobniak? Bobniak. Don't know how to say your name. Sorry, John. And then Ben Jordan is now the new model. He looks pretty noticeably different too. More boyish, like the RC Cola version of Tom Holland writes GameSpot. So I'm going to stop the B-roll here for a second so that I can show everybody the kind of side-by-side comparison of what all three of these models look like. If you guys have missed this and you haven't seen it yet, um, on the internet the internet yes <laughs> um, let me find it here in our notes I, I specifically do, 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 pulled these photos oh thanks Timer there you go okay so I have up on screen here the three so we've got on the top is the original Peter Parker yeah mm -hmm. on the bottom is the new Peter Parker a, a completely different person, right? Yeah. Like he's got a cleft chin now. Is, yeah. that, is that what you call it? Yes, he does. Yeah. He does have a little bit of a cleft chin. Mm -hmm. um, the ears are different. The jawline's different. I mean, the cheekbones, the, the nose, nose. Literally everything is different. It's a different, they're different face. people. The yeah. eyebrows are somewhat similar, just better. <laughs> and not as bushy. I mean, yes. The hair is actually quite, quite better. Yes. Um, I will yes, say. Yes, yes, yes. They did a much better job. And I pulled a photo of the real <laughs> Tom Holland, uh, the actor, of course, who plays Spider-Man in the MCU's newest iteration of Spider-Man. Uh, you know him from, you know, Avengers and obviously all of the Spider-Man movies. And he, of course, is famously cast in the upcoming Uncharted film that is yet to be released, which he said is going 
quite well, which is exciting to hear. But I think the reason why I wanted to pull this up is because it's very clear that he looks, this new model looks a lot more like Tom Holland than old model did. This is the actual model. Okay, so the actual uh, model looks strikingly like Tom Holland. Yes. I think they just happened to find, uh, also, really handsome dude. He's uh, very <laughs> handsome. Yes. Just, I was like, I'm going to Google this guy. Oh, hello, sailor. Uh, you're probably 12, which is unfortunate for me. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he definitely looks like, like, some of these pictures, he looks like a cross between Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield. Mm. oh yeah if, if andrew garfield had like lighter colored hair yeah. and a different nose yeah but, but yeah he d- and wait is that really him if this is him that looks like tom holland in this photo for sure mm, no nah, the face the face is a little different the hair i think is what's throwing the me hair off. definitely looks similar so as you can imagine everybody people on the internet are upset shocking i know uh according to GameSpot, the change has led to some complaints from fans of the original peter leading lowenthal the voice actor again to issue a tweet blaming the stupid stupid bones in his face <laughs> apparently the bones in his face made motion capture and animation difficult in a way that i guess only animators would understand um continuing on the story other changes made for the remaster include a graphics overhaul with improved models and materials ray trace reflections ambient shadows true reflections of the buildings and windows the characters themselves have been modeled with higher fidelity skin I and teeth shaders teeth teeth because you know so you those know, teeth shaders everybody it's very important I mean it would make sense if you wanted to get them correct in like lighting or whatever sort of situation you don't want the teeth to look weird you don't want yes. the teeth to look no weird. yeah I mean you don't want that uncanny uncanny okay. valley because teeth are the thing that <laughs> teeth really are, honestly oh. can make or break an uncanny valley moment Legit. I've noticed that in a lot of the supermassive games actually mm-hmm. is when they're is when they're doing something with their mouth and then their teeth just look it looks like they go on forever. I don't like they're, there's they, just so many there's and so they're so many prominent <laughs> why do you like, have all of the teeth are not the same size right. like, I don't it's know. weird because so like teeth. yeah when you look at other people yes you kind of notice the teeth but it's not like <laughs> like smack dab in your face hello look at my mouth it's like, remember when they were talking like this they're like yeah hey, everybody. Or those like those like the loading screens the loading right? screens would just it would be as if you were at the dentist <laughs> with those things that they pull your mouth oh, apart yeah. with oh yeah <laughs> and you're just you look a yeah, mess like that exactly yes, like that exactly that's it and it's horrifying <laughs> wow oh that'll haunt my dreams tonight i don't know <laughs> Oh no! Please. Okay, that's weird. that's really weird. That's really weird. Okay. So. <laughs> now that she has slobbered all over her hands, so at Patreon.com/slash/What'sGoodGames, Mister Yasman three hundred writes in and says, "So, do you ladies buy that phase change is Insomniac's decision, or is it Marvel Sony's decision? I'm okay with them changing if Insomniac said they felt like they needed it, but I do find it weird that they made him look like Tom Holland. This makes me think this might have been Marvel and Sony's decision, but I can be wrong. So here's the thing, Mister." Yes, man. If Sony wanted him to look like Tom Holland, they would just pay for Tom Holland's likeness rights. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it would be a smart move. It might not be a financially smart move because I don't know what Tom Holland is charging these days. But <laughs> thankfully, Tom Holland is still a relatively new star. And so he probably isn't as expensive as, say, getting someone like Robert Downey Jr. or Scarlett Johansson in the Avengers game as getting Tom Holland in the Spider-Man game. Now, my point would be that if Sony really wanted Tom Holland, him as him, in there, they're already working on an Uncharted movie with him. Mm -hmm. So it would be theoretically somewhat easy to, like, try and negotiate some part of, like, something in with a contract there. 
So like, yeah, I think they just, I mean, maybe they picked knockoff Tom Holland because it was cheaper. I don't know. <laughs> Our maybe they didn't have Tom the Holland. budget quite That's for Tom terrible. Holland yet. But this guy definitely looks enough like Tom Holland to to get that get that flavor, get that flavor. essence. It's like drinking a La Croix of Tom Holland. A La Croix of Tom Holland. A La Croix. So I pulled our Patreon, not our Patreon, it's a lie. It's our Twitter community. And I asked, how do you feel about Peter Parker's new look in the PS5 remaster of Spider-Man? And 46% of people said, I dig it. 44% of people said, I don't like it, but whatever. And then 9.6% said, I am angry, change it back. So some of so them you are 9.6%, I would suggest therapy. I would also, yes. I would because say calm down. There, there are, are some, things in life you cannot change, and this is one of them. Yeah, and there are things in life you can change if you vote. Go register to vote. Um, also, I would say to this, I feel like, as a very casual superhero fan, that I feel like every superhero has a different face from time to time. It all is, it's always changing. Oh, yeah. Always changing. So I don't understand why this would be such a big shock. But again, sometimes gaming culture isn't very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't use logic. logical. Lo- thank you. They don't use logic, logical. Yeah. Thank you, Cyber. So I think it's just one of those prime examples of we don't like change. Change is, yeah, change is scary. Sure. Let's get mad about it instead of just taking a beat and being like, okay, it's just another version of a super, superhero getting a new face. And I mean, I personally prefer the older face, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's going to be fine. I'm not going to oh, play this again like anyway. Baby. He's such a baby. Peter Parker's such a baby. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. and I mean, it does look really good, though, when you look at the different lighting and the way the light bounces off of his nose and the hair textures. It does look a lot better. Yeah, this game, the remaster looks like an he's amazing. He's not old enough to drink that. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not, but you know what? He's it's 23. Okay. He's definitely he's supposed little... to be, I think, in this game. Yeah, he's but... supposed to be 23. Yeah, but he just looks 12. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah. young face. Yeah, I thought nice. it, I actually found it interesting when you're like, who knows about the animator things? I'm like, oh, no, that's interesting to me. Because I'm like, maybe they re- well, part of the reason why they rebuilt his face from scratch anyway is like, oh, we can redo the bone structure in here and we can have better animations. So mm-hmm. let's just. Let's just get a new model anyway if we're already basically ripping his face apart. <laughs> Those we're lip going flaps. into some deep plastic surgery land, so maybe we just get a new actor. <laughs> deep what, land. what they wrote on the PlayStation yeah. blog, because Insomniac did give a, a very detailed explanation of all the things that are in the upgraded version, um, they write that we take full advantage of the next generation PlayStation features like near instant loading, the spatial 3D audio on compatible headphones, dual sense controllers, haptic feedback, and adaptive triggers. They've also brought new photo mode features that to the game that we developed for the original Spider-Man Miles, or excuse me, we brought a new photo mode feature to the game that we developed for Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, where you can That's now nice. place lights in the environment and change your spider suit after you've lined up your shot, which is a really cool addition. Nice. Um, they showed some of the new suits. They showed some side-by-side screenshot comparisons. Overall, the game looks like it's 100% worth the money to buy the new edition if you never played. How Sony still hasn't rectified giving people who bought the original game an upgrade path is still upsetting and troublesome to me, but we don't need to like rehash that. We talked about that, I believe, on last week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder how much of any of it had to do with the fact that Peter Parker will likely make an appearance, right, in Miles Morales. And if they took that opportunity and they're like, you know what? Those lip flaps just aren't lining up the way we want them to. The ray tracing doesn't make it look as good. We need a new model. Maybe it has something to do with it. Probably not a lot of it, but... I didn't think about that, but that's a really great point. I think they also wanted to make the game look as good as possible. And it's 
something that may be underneath, and this is just fan theory. Okay. I'm not basing this in any factual evidence. Lay it on me. But potentially the motion capture artist who did the work previously was just unavailable. Or maybe they couldn't work out the negotiation in the contract. Or maybe they were committed to something else and there was like some kind of conflict with exclusivity. Who knows? That could also have been part of the conversation that they didn't want to make. But having Yuri go public and say, I have stupid, stupid bones in my face (laughs) is a weird thing to say when they clearly hired another voice or excuse me, another motion caption actor to play him anyway. So they weren't working with him anyway. But supposedly this new actor looks more like the actual Yuri instead of the previous. Oh, I guess I misunderstood what you were saying. Now that I'm reading it, I understand a little bit more. I'm wondering if Yuri has like two pronounced of cheekbones or some shit. And so like the facial capture putting dots on their face might it might not align or like look correct when you're trying to do it. I don't know. That's that's mm. that's where my head goes. Is the stupid stupid bones on my face makes me think, "God damn, my beautiful high cheekbones. Yeah. They don't work for this particular instance." And to that, I say that's nice of him to fall on that sword, but Insomniac should have figured that out beforehand. Like Marvel has the budget and Spider-Man is now the most successful PlayStation exclusive of all time. And don't make your voice actor jump in front of the bus. Like Insomniac needs to take full responsibility here and Marvel also needs to take responsibility. It's not Yuri's fault. No, I think he's just being silly. Stupid. He's being being gracious. He's being incredibly gracious, trying to pull heat off of the development team. And that's very kind of him. But they shouldn't make him do that. That He should never have had to do that. Anywho, here's the thing. There are way bigger things to be mad about, ladies and gentlemen, than this. Let's agree that the the new model looks great. Good job, new model. You did it. You look awesome. Yay, video games. I don't even know what the next story is. but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's move on from the amazing cheekbones of Tom Holland, should we, <laughs> to uh, a relatively upsetting story. <laughs> well, shit. Brittany, you get to read this one. Congrats. Oh, my God. The honor you of... You won. <laughs> the honor it's of... It's you, a... Charlie. It's you. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Ah! Okay. Cyberpunk 2077 studio head responds to mandatory crunch reports via IGN. So CD Project Red of Studio Red Head of Studio. CD Project Red Head of Studio. Sorry, I just keep thinking of Andrea when I say that. Adam Badowski has responded to a Bloomberg report about mandatory crunch at the studio, saying the move was, quote, one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, but noting that Cyberpunk 2077's developers will be, quote, well compensated for every extra hour they put in. So this follows a report. This came out earlier this week, which contained an email from Badowski sent to CD Projekt Red staff. The reported email says that the studio will be enacting mandatory six-day work weeks in the run-up to Cyberpunk 2077's November release after, quote, extending all other possible means of navigating the situation. CD Projekt Red had previously promised its employees that they wouldn't be forced to crunch on the game in an interview with Kotaku in 2019. So here's the full statement. These past six weeks are our final sprint on a project we've all spent much of our lives on, something we care for deeply. The majority of the team understands that push, that push, especially in the light of the fact that we've just sent the game to cert and every day brings us visibly closer to shipping a game we want to be proud of. This is one of the hardest decisions I've had to make, but everyone is well compensated for the extra hour they put in. And like in recent years, 10% of the annual profit our company generates in 2020 will be split directly among the team. 
cool. Wait, what are you pointing I was, at? I just got excited about the gold shiny pants. <laughs> what? In this trailer that she was playing gameplay footage up while you were talking. Oh. And one of the side characters has really, really shiny gold joggers on. Let me oh. see if I can And I was just rewind. excited about Okay, now the, I have to um, see them. Now I the have reflective to nature of said pants. Well, that's incredibly exciting. I mean, I like shiny pants too. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about crunch a lot on the show. And I think it just kind of comes down to there. And an ideal. Oh. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, Let me fuck. See yeah, those are some party going. pants right there. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. Those are some awesome. Oh, they shorts? Shiny, they're, they're shorts. They're okay, shorts. Yeah, they're shorts. Either way, those are awesome and definitely worth going to youtube.com slash what's good games to watch. But yeah, I think it's kind of the same thing as in an ideal perfect world, crunch culture and the, the need to crunch would it, wouldn't exist. But I think there's a lot that that goes on behind the scenes that I personally don't feel educated enough to talk about and speculate. I know everyone has an opinion and, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. But I don't know a lot what's going on behind the scenes. But I think it's just one of those inevitable things that almost every industry you work in is going to have this sort of this moment, when, especially when you're leading up to a big project where you kind of like have to put in that extra time. And it seems like compared to other studios we've read about, this isn't the worst case we've seen. Software development in general, yes, there's always going to be some level of crunch because software development is very tricky. Mm-hmm. And even if you feel like you're on track, a specific bug can really derail you if you're not sure what's causing it. Um, people merging different branches incorrectly. Like there's just so many things that can go wrong that it's not unusual that they're crunching. And actually the fact that they're crunching this late, I think is a sign that they did relatively well up until this point. There was so. a report in Bloomberg that I read that some folks had apparently been doing this for over a year now. But again, ah, okay, well that's who not knows? Good. Yeah, that's not good. But. Yeah, long-term crunch is definitely a systemic problem that needs to be addressed through their production team and their production managers. Yes. And I agree with you, Steimer, that short-term crunch is usually just inevitable. As creatives who work obviously in a very different medium, we get that sometimes you have deadlines and those deadlines are firm and you just want your product to be the best that it can. And so sometimes, you know, I'll stay up really late at night making editing changes that do I need to make? No. Would the show be fine if I didn't make those changes? Yeah. It wouldn't be the best that it could be. And I want the show to be the best that it can be. And so sometimes I'll crunch to make that happen. Just like video game developers are creators who are proud of the work that they're making. And they want their product to be the best that it can be. And the way that they do that is by crunching at the 11th hour before they have to submit the final code for certification. And a lot of video game developers have spoken publicly about that and said, hey, Crunch is something that should be allowed when the creator opts into it. Mandatory crunch, sustained crunch, no. That's bad and it creates bad culture, bad workplaces, bad habits. It's not healthy. But when somebody says, hey, I want to just get this right. And instead of submitting something that I'm not going to be quite happy with, I want to keep crunching to make it something that I'm really proud of. I don't like the idea of shaming creatives for doing that as long as they are compensated and as long as it's not... It's an actual temporary. Right. It's mm-hmm. actually... Exactly. It's temporary. And I think that's been the larger conversation is that you know crunch is not good when it's mandated over long periods of time and more importantly when it's not adequately compensated for. I mean, I would also say like crunch, quote unquote crunch over long periods of time is not crunch. That's 
bad production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's somebody who is an individual and really just wants to, for whatever reason, do that. But those are few and far between, and I would encourage you to not do that. Um, but yeah, like that's that's no longer crunch. I feel like we need to get crunch back to what it actually was, which is what we've been talking about. It's like a shorter, really um, a short period that's really designed to get you over the hill and get everything done and get it all polished the way you want it to. But anything longer than that is just like your timelines are fucked up. Your production team kind of fucked up. Like things, things are not going well for you on that team. And you should probably just take a break and come back to it. Circle back. Circle back later. Yeah, exactly. But I hope that they all are taking care of themselves and being as healthy as they can be. And yes. I know that we're all very much excited uh, for Cyberpunk 2077. No. So let's keep our fingers crossed that. CD Projekt Red keeps taking care of their team. All right, next story. Google Stadia finally gets crowd choice. (laughs) You may be asking, what is crowd choice? Steimer, that's a great question. (laughs) Let me answer that for you. Thanks. With some words from our friends at Eurogamer. Crowd choice is a kind of choose-your-own-adventure system for those watching streamers play Stadia games on YouTube. And it goes live alongside the release of Dead by Daylight on the 1st of October. So by the time you're listening to the podcast, this is live. It's also going to be available with Baldur's Gate 3 when Larian's hotly anticipated role-playing game launches on Google's streaming service on the 6th of October. And here's how it's going to work. When YouTube enables, excuse me, when a YouTuber enables crowd choice, the Stadia audience can vote. The streamer gets the results in the percentages and can choose to follow the players or go their own way. In Dead by Daylight, viewers can decide whether the YouTuber is the killer or the survivor, followed by which character they become. For Baldur's Gate 3, all narrative choices can be used by streamers to pull their viewers to decide what happens next. Crowd Choice arrives 10 months after Stadia launched alongside six more Stadia Pro games, Dead by Daylight, Human Fall Flat, Super Hot Mind Control Delete, Lara Croft, Temple of Osiris, Celeste, and Jotun. There are now 29 games in total in the Stadia Pro library. And at patreon.com slash what's good games member Jake Musared writes and says, with all the chatter circulating at the moment between xCloud and Amazon Luna, do you think it's too late for a Stadia comeback? <sighs> so before we answer that question, Jake, Brittany, hmm? I know that you're super excited about Baldur's Gate 3. Are you considering at all playing it on Stadia because of crowd choice? No, absolutely yeah, not. I, I mean, I, I knew the answer to that before I asked it, but, well, you know, I'm well, asking no. for posterity. No, no, because here's the reason is when I play a narrative driven game and I'm going to sink in 80 to 100 hours into a game like Baldur's Gate 3, I want that to be my personalized playthrough. I want this to be the experience where I make all the decisions. I play the game the way I want to play it. And I get, you know, with certain games, and especially, I mean, I've seen Baldur's Gate 3. I've seen Sven play it live, the the creator. And it is fun to kind of influence, like, what he does. And it's that fun little interactivity, and you feel like you're a community, and you're bonding, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, if I don't want to kill a character, and everyone votes for me to kill a character, then that kind of fucks my playthrough, right? So I see the appeal... I see, I oh. see the appeal of it, but <laughs> what? That was a soft oh, was that a burp? I don't know. See, I was leaning back from the microphone before Steimer called me out. I legit thought you were like slurping a straw through a cup or something. That's what it sounded like. 
I'm sorry, anyway, everybody. I see the appeal of it, but this definitely like not for a game like this. For like a fun like little chill game, sure, but not. Yeah, this is one that you need to make a new save file for if you're going to Absolutely, yeah. Uh, as far as Stadia yeah. goes, man, I don't... I, yeah, it ain't looking good. <laughs> we did talk about this a little bit on the Monday show with Danny when we went over the Amazon Luna announcement. For everybody who missed it, Amazon announced what's happening with some of their new product rollouts around their revised Amazon Prime Day, which typically happens in July. And because of the pandemic, they push it to October, so it's happening in the middle of October instead. And they were like, hey, and by the way, we're joining the cloud gaming streaming lineup of competitors. And I think that they are actually poised to potentially be the best offering knowing that the AWS system around the world is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful web interface and web system because they drive just so much infrastructure on the back end for so many powerful streaming services like Netflix, like many other of the popular websites that you visit all the time. And I think what's really going to come down and differentiate Amazon Luna from Stadia is their libraries, their pricing, and if they're going to be able to bundle Luna with Prime in the same way that Twitch has been bundled with Prime. So if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you obviously get Prime Gaming. Don't forget, if you have Prime Gaming, you get a free subscription every month on Twitch. And maybe you want to go to twitch.tv slash what's good games and give it to us. That maybe would be nice. Have. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. You it's free. Do it. it doesn't cost you anything extra if you have Amazon Prime. But Just you do have to PSA. do it. You have to do it every month. You do have to do it every month. It's true. Um, so... XCloud in the mix is an interesting factor because I think what's obviously setting Microsoft apart is that they already have an established subscription service through Xbox Game Pass. And they've been pushing Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which includes PC and now XCloud, which has been launched. And with their recent acquisition and some of their exclusives, it could mean a really great value for gamers. But the real difference here is that Luna is on iOS devices and nobody else is. Hey, 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 hey. They found that That's loophole. a big boon for them. So we'll see once these things all are out at the same time. We can compare them side by side exactly how they're going to perform. But yeah, yeah, choice is good. Competition is good. It, it Amazon, is. Google, and Apple, or excuse me, not Apple. Um, Microsoft should compete against each other. Yeah, give I, gamers the most competitive price and the best offering. I think Stadia said yes. a really good example of what you don't do. You know, you don't overpromise and underdeliver. They just should not have launched. They should just, they should have done what Xbox did and have an early access preview and say, hey, we're going to roll out, you know, really limited features for a select amount of people and we're not going to make a big thing about launching. Yeah. We're not going to charge people money and we're just going to do a test. The good and then news, they though, launch once they have their first Stadia exclusive. Francis, Andrea, my Google's personal not going goals away. for the year relied on it being launched in Q, whatever the fuck. Oh, <laughs> Oh. That's usually what ha whenever you have a head scratching moment at a large company, to me, I'm always like, uh, someone's goals were tied to that quarter. <laughs> like, <laughs> you mean like an executive? Yeah. Like an executive's yes. goals? Yeah, for sure. Like, why not? Otherwise, because otherwise you would just push it. But there's always some stubborn ass there who's like, nah, I have it on my thing. I need to prove I did the thing. You know, I never stop to contemplate the ego factor oh my god and why stadia so launched but you're probably right oh of course the ego of the engineers behind google is pretty pretty big yeah 
I mean, let me don't get me wrong. Google has an amazing suite of products that I use every day. Thank you, Google. They also yeah. have an amazing suite of dead products. The graveyard is vast. Oh, oh yes. Google. Yes, it is. What's it called? Google what? That, Google Plus. Google Plus. Oh yeah, Google I remember Plus. when we all yeah. thought Rip that would Google be the Plus. hottest. Google, like there, there's literally like if you Google, if you Google failed Google projects, hold on, there will be a plethora. Hold my beer. <laughs> no, poor Google. But yeah, Jake, That's I think like the, the right thing, that, the thing, Jake. Obviously, we're like you know. I'm not going to say we're shitting on Cynthia. Top 50. But they also oh God, have the Top 50. Oh, Google Glass. Remember there Google Glass? Oh, yeah. I do remember I don't have a, Google I don't have a Glass. Voice. I have nothing to say here. Don't forget, they also have those. Oh, one more point before we derail. There's also some some studios that are supposed to be making exclusive games. I don't think Google Stadia is shutting down anytime soon. I think they're still going to have all their assets and throw all their big dicks on the table and flop them around. And they're going to continue to thrive and do their thing. Thrive is, uh, you know. I don't know if that's the right word. So no, Jake. Sustain. Sustain. <laughs> they will also at least sustain. They'll be sustained. And we'll see I'm what gonna, happens from there. I'm going to be honest. I don't I don't know most of these things that they're listing. I was like, either I didn't use them or I... I mean, there's a reason why they're failed projects, Andrea. <laughs> you know what? Fair. So this is, fut- this is futile. Next story. This is where I tell you that What's Good Games is brought to you by our friends at MeUndies. We saw one single solitary leaf fall on the ground yesterday. Actually, it was like a handful of leaves. So that means one thing, everybody. It's finally fall. It's time to get your boo teas ready for the spookiest time of year with the softest undies to grace your bottoms. Did you did you like what I did you like what that I did? That was there, really buddy? good. Yeah, I, I'm really feeling it. Let's go. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks. You know what else you might want to feel your own bottom when you're wearing me undies because not only is it super soft, but me undies knows exactly how to celebrate the season with the coolest prints and colors and the softest undies known to man, woman, and well, every human out there. They want you to be comfortable to express yourself every day and in every way. And how ready are you guys for fall and Halloween printed undies? I know I'm super ready because I got that email in my inbox, which I'm sure some of you have and I bought the cat romper I got the lips underwear I got the skeleton bra I even got the skeleton tank top I don't know where I'm gonna wear it but you know what it's totally okay because <laughs> when you're hanging out with me yeah it's super comfortable because I got a onesie as well and then I realized it's a hundred degrees in Los Angeles this Yikes. week yeah, it's a weird hat week, but that's okay. It'll get colder and we'll wear them. Yes, it's true. And there's nothing wrong with wearing Halloween onesies in the month of January. Don't Mm-mm. judge me. Mm-mm. Oh, it's going to be colder in October. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's, that's fair. And it's all good, everybody, because me undies grows on trees. Did I, did I mention that they actually, no, they really do grow on trees because their irresistibly soft natural fibers are sourced from beechwood trees. And that means natural fibers. And it also means that their micromodal fabric is not only super soft, but it's breathable, light, and impossibly cozy. That is some serious comfort. MeUndies does help you feel truly comfortable from head to toe, outside to in, with different prints, colors, and styles. And you can even get a MeUndies membership so that you'll never run out 
out of the softest undies around. And did I mention that membership scores you some site-wide savings and exclusive sales? You betcha it does. MeUndies has a great offer for What's Good Games listeners for any first-time purchasers. You'll get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off free shipping and that satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash W-G-G-M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash W-G-G. Speaking of spooky times. There you go. <gasps> I'm super excited about Animal Crossing New Horizons Fall Update. Mm. And I even have the cute little trailer, even though the day that we're recording the podcast is the day it goes live. It technically is not live, and I'm very sad about it because I... It is live, but not active. No, it goes active technically October 1st. So when <gasps> you're listening to the podcast... Okay, so these are some of the costumes. So if you're watching at youtube.com slash Games, you obviously see the Animal Crossing trailer. But Nintendo, of course, detailed what is all coming in the new free update. And it has a bunch of new items and features. Plus, on Halloween, October 31st, a character known as Jack the Halloween Czar will arrive in-game and players can earn spooky in-game rewards by gifting them lollipops and candy... <laughs> <gasps> I know, so right? Awesome. How cute is this? So oh my god, awesome. I'm obsessed. Oh my god. I come back, this. Brittany, come back. <laughs> Festivities <gasps> will be held in the plaza with Halloween decorations and pranks, and players can gift their fellow islanders candy to avoid potential pranks, which I think is super fun. I was really hoping they were gonna do something for Halloween with trick-or-treating, and they did not disappoint. Um, beyond the Halloween festivities, the autumn update also includes dreaming favorite list, so players can pin down their favorite islands when they visit them or head for a news and the nook link service within the nintendo switch app online will be updated so that players can perform in-game reactions from the comfort of their phone which is weird but interesting this i is guess so freaking cute and i love that you can grow pumpkins and i love that you I can know. buy like mummy outfits and i love that you can put on like face paint and contacts so i could finally be the zombie i've always wanted to be yeah you can you can be a true zombie i can i don't know of a more compelling reason but to be a zombie. And I can finally build my Raccoon City island. Yes, you can. And they tease that there's going to be another update in November. And they had some Thanksgiving items, which I thought was fun. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. So we have a question from Gabe Hewitt, patreon.com slash Games. Animal Crossing seasonal updates are nice and all, but do you think Nintendo has any plans on adding any quality of life updates to the game? And why don't you think they have so far? So they've added a couple of quality of life updates baked into some of these um, rolling updates that they've been doing for the game. And the bigger updates, that's a great question. There's some major updates that they need to make that they haven't, and I'm not quite sure why, especially since they've sold over 20 million copies of the game. Like I don't know wh- what what else is the team... It can't possibly take your team months of time to create freaking pumpkins in the game, right? So... <laughs> How, how have we not been able to craft more than one single piece of fish bait at a time yet? Like, uh, I want to know. What's uh, what's up with that? Well, um, Bob the engineer would tell you. <laughs> it depends on how they built the game. We don't know how they built the game. Yeah. So that's very possible that there is some back-end infrastructure that they just didn't plan for. Who knows if they're going to do like they a They were like, overhaul. everybody will be fine with this. And then everyone was like, this is stupid. And they were like, oh, no. But we, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no. 
I agree with you, Gabe, that I would like to see some more quality of life things updated. And I don't know when they're going to happen, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. quality of life things would be nice, but I, I do th- like anything like that will take much longer because then to think they've also added a bunch more content, which means they need to QA all of that content. So mm-hmm. the longer that they go, actually, without making major life update changes, the longer it will take, uh, right. actually, because you got to make sure that it all interacts well together. Got to right. make sure those functions work with those pumpkins. This is really yeah, cute, man. though. This is just like cute it looks little adorable. feel good. It does. I love this it time of year. It gets me excited for, I mean, tomorrow is October 1st, and I'm just excited that we're getting into fall, even though we can't really, like, do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just the But idea. there's a lot of drive through Halloween options that I've seen start popping up oh, yeah? around what? Los Angeles. So. Like, Christmas, like Christmas neighborhoods, but Halloween neighborhoods? Exactly. Nice. What? That's cool. That'd be cute. So, Brittany, if you want to, you know, drive down to California from Season Washington. Halloween decorations. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Just I will make Halloween it worth streets. your while. I will buy you all of the peanut butter whiskey. That's just Wait, real what? good. It's peanut butter whiskey. Good. It's very good. Never heard of this before. Oh, my Screw gosh. Off. You can try it after we're done recording. You actually okay. might like it. Even yeah. you would like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> I just say that because I know, no, I know. that yeah. Steimer's not a big whiskey fan. It's just a lot. It's... The, the last time I made her drink so whiskey high. did not end well for Simon. It's not only that, I just don't get a lot of flavor out of it because it's just, it's like gasoline on your tongue. <laughs> it's, you're not you're wrong. Not wrong. She sometimes, sometimes had gasoline. But. Sometimes, sometimes it is like gasoline on your tongue. Um, but we're excited for that. And you can definitely anticipate me playing that in a stream sometime in the not too distant future. But Brittany, we also got an announcement about some new Pokemon DLC. We did. All right. So Pokemon Sword and Shield... <laughs> That was fucked up. Pokemon Sword and Shield Crown Tundra DLC is coming October 22nd. This comes from IGN. So, the Crown Tundra is a snowy new open area being added to the world of Sword and Shield, adding new characters, Pokemon, and quests. You'll be able to explore Pokemon dens and meet every legendary Pokemon in the series so far, as well as as well as a brand new mythical Pokemon and new forms of the original legendary birds. Andrea, would you like to read those? Or <gasps> the trailer? original legendary birds? Yeah, I just oh, wanted the Pokemon, to read. The Pokemon names? Yeah, um, I highlighted. Here. Yes, so they are Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. Fucking nailed it. Good job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting better, everybody. <laughs> Dynamax Adventures will let you join three other trainers to explore caves and take on battles against Dynamax Pokemon. The brief clips we've seen point to choices of route that take you past different Pokemon types. The Galarian Star Tournament will also be added to the game, an endgame event allowing you to battle alongside and against trainers from throughout Sword and Shield. The tournament should offer new stories and character elements that weren't available in the main game. And to celebrate the Crown Tundra announcement, you'll also be able to catch eight versions of Ash's Pikachu wearing a variety of different caps, each unlocked by mystery gift passwords that are entered in-game. Passwords will be available in various places, but the first for Pikachu wearing Ash Ketchum's original cap is Pikachu Gets. Spelt with a one. Pikachu Gets. Mm, Leet Speak. Leet Speak, yeah. Oh, yes. It yeah. kind of looks like Phuket, that island in Thailand, but it's Pikachu Get. Pikachu get yeah so I mean this is cool the last expansion we had was Isle of Armor and I thought it was fun so just as a reminder these expansions passes are $30 I think you can buy them separately maybe maybe not I don't remember it doesn't matter and I thought the last one was worth it you had some fun new rivals some old classic Pokemon to catch some new Pokemon to catch and there's a little story to follow and give you a new area and this more or less looks to be about the same except for they are offering these Dynamax adventures which 
appear to be they're being described as like basically explore caves with your friends which are pokemon dens with up to three other trainers but when you look at some of the screenshots and footage from it, it essentially just looks like it's a top-down view of a cave and you can decide if you as a team if you want to go left or right and then you just kind of like fight pokemon along the way like big dynamax battles so there's actually no actual dungeon crawling per se it's just mostly fight choose if you want to go left or right i want to go right okay fight another pokemon then choose if you want to go left or right again and so on and so forth which is like it's it's fine i mean what do we expect ladies and gentlemen an actual cooperative dungeon crawling experience from a pokemon game Nay. Definitely not. Never. Definitely not. Definitely not, not. Not now, no. Yeah. So those appear to be the Dynamax adventures. And the other thing they're talking about is this Galarian Star Tournament, which is, like they said, you get to pair up with the Pokemon Masters and fight other Pokemon Masters. And I think with these, you can actually work with a friend, too, which is a cool thing. Right on. But um, it's interesting because this is the final DLC we know about when it comes to Pokemon Sword and Shield. So you got to wonder, are they just going to let it sit and add little quality of life updates as the game continues, maybe add more Dynamax Pokemon to battle and catch in the Pokemon dens. Who knows? I think it's still going to be a hot minute before we get any new Pokemon games. However, I'm hoping we get our fucking Pokemon Snap sooner rather than later. I want that game so bad. Stimer, are you a fan of Pokemon They didn't give a release window for that at all, right? No. I don't think so, right? I don't think they did. 20 next year? I don't know if they said this year or next year. I don't remember if they said I don't remember. That announced was like 6 a.m. I don't remember anything that happens that early. Yeah, also my brain, you know, it's like a sieve. Things just fall through it. Yeah, I mean, if you look... In case you don't know what a sieve is. Yeah. It's a thing with holes in it. It's got a lot of holes. It has a lot of holes. shit. Yeah, the game stopped... It's like a um, placeholder is 1231 2020 so no we don't we don't know yet the other thing pokemon announced which is kind of interesting too is pokemon home so if you're not familiar with what this is essentially it's their online can i turn my house into pokemon i mean i wish i wish samer that's a far better idea like Mm. don't get me wrong you have you're doing good but yeah it's essentially (laughs) their their cloud storage service where you can take your pokemon from pokemon go transfer it to pokemon home and take those pokemon and put it into pokemon sword and shield and then Uh. they're kind of like stuck there you can't ever put them back to pokemon go um and if you do this it's they so it's a one-way home it's a one-way home it's not like an open door home it's like you come (laughs) in one door you gotta go out the other door so it's like a prison is what you're saying it's it's pokemon graduation it's very on brand for pokemon you can only go up in pokemon (laughs) you cannot go back (laughs) there's a lot of prison themes with pokemon it's very sad between the pokeballs and this it makes me kind of angry uh, but if you it, Nintendo Promise is coming out before the end of the year, and if you do use this service, you will get a free mystery box with a free Pokemon in Pokemon Go and in Pokemon Sword and Shield. But the interesting thing is that the Pokemon company company has, I'm pretty sure I can say like confirmed that in order to speed up the times between transfers of Pokemon, you have to pay with Poke Coins, which is a currency that you can earn in Pokemon Go, or you can pay for it with real money. So it sounds like it's going to be a free app or maybe there's going to be a paid version. Sorry, I don't remember. I'm, Pokemon Home is like totally not my thing. But essentially, if you want to shorten the cooldown period between transfers, Pokemon you have to locker. pay money. Yeah, but with money. Exactly. It's like an Amazon locker. Let's Which is like the package in there and then you can take it out later. Yeah, it's a weird choice. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. That's, wow, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird choice. I don't know why they would do it that way. But you know what? I guess make a buck where you can. They but need the, to make it sound more pleasant than it is. <laughs> It's like pay with money to use our service and shorten the cooldown time, whatever. But the best yeah. part of this, Simon, I think you'll appreciate it, mm-hmm. is at the end of this, there was a really cute music video that was worked with po- Pokemon Company worked on it, and then a Japanese alternative rock band called Bump of Chicken. Yes. Yes. And Already then you have it. to watch it. And it's a really, really cute Pokemon music video. 
Hold on. Now I need to find. I need to find it. But One we're not going to be able to play the music. No, it's going to be. It, we're going to not play the music. Yeah. I play the music. It's really cute. I would love a Pokemon anime to be created in this style. It also, really this is cute. a screen capture of another YouTube video. Hilarious. That can't be right. What's that's it called? That's a breakdown. If gotcha. you have if you have the Pokemon stream up, it's like the last like four minutes of the um, actual stream. Okay, yeah, I think I video. I think I found it. Yeah. And the music's catchy too. It's cute. Pulling it. One up. moment, everybody. Is this it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the music's super catchy too. Just wait. It's very it pretty. Lights. It is. It gets all. Although anime-y. people walking on train tracks like that always makes me think of fried green tomatoes. Yeah. No, I was thinking of um, not the Lost Boys. Oh my the, gosh. The uh, oh my god. Stand by me. Thinking oh, of Stand that. by me. I thought you were gonna say the Boxcar Children. <laughs> uh, you, that is an amazing deep cuts reference, and I okay. love you for it. I was like I nervous about where my burn was. I couldn't remember, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's fine. My burn is on the top of my hand. Steiner burned her hand, I everybody, while she was cooking. Oh. I was making some sweet potato fries, and I accidentally touched the baking sheet. That's Do a not no-no. recommend. Don't do that. Yes. Well, that was a lot of Pokemon. Brittany, are you excited about this? I have proper expectations, Andrea. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. That's part of enjoyment of life, is, is. setting proper expectations for things. Yeah, it's going to yes. be a fun time. If you think everything's going to be the most amazing thing ever... You're going to be let down an awful lot. Yeah. Appreciate things for what they are, friends. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing, including Mafia Definitive Edition. And I'm going to give you a first look at Star Wars Squadrons. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's time for some announcements. Brittany, I've been having a lot of fun playing spooky games, said nobody ever. (laughs) I would say that's a very surprising thing for you to say, especially considering the game we played last Monday, which was Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, why does that game exist? Oh, hey, we got to night five. We got to night five. Isn't that all you need to do? Well, we we just survived night five. Oh. We got to the beginning of night five. Wait, you can die in this game? Oh, yes. Oh, oh I've, I've never played Five Nights at Freddy's. Do you think that I would know anything about anything other than the last round of Lights Off we played? It's a horror That's game. <laughs> you can die In very terribly. your defense timer, I also had attempted to play Five Nights at Freddy's by installing it, but never actually played. And now I've played you know, a couple of hours of it and was like, why do people play this? Oh. Some people need that adrenaline rush in their life. And also... Here's what I will say. It is good to get your circulatory system working. <laughs> so if maybe you're really, you know, um, stationary throughout your day and you really don't like exercise, but you need your blood to start pumping, maybe play a horror game. I never thought about that as a reason, but that's genius. It's so not the same as cardio, but it will do something. <laughs> It'll make you feel something. If you want to feel something, please join us if Mondays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv. Gooey of you shitting your pants. Yes, play a horror Asterisk not recommended by the FDA. Or what is it like? Not approved. Not approved. No, not. What's the word? It's not. It's not approved. It's like they looked over it. Not approved. 
cure by the FDA, whatever, some shit. You know what we don't mean. It's yes. not, it's not FDA We're not approved, medical experts, everybody. But it's, it'll get your blood moving. And by George, if we couldn't all use a little of that these days, I don't know what. Exactly. Um, more importantly, we're doing it while also raising money for our friends at Able Gamers. They are a fantastic charity that helps gamers with disabilities get access to the equipment that they need to game. And it's incredibly expensive for a lot of the specialty equipment that gamers with disabilities need. And our friends at Able Gamers are doing wonderful work to try to help people get the customized gear, but they need more help. And our friend Steve Spawn has a goal for his 40th birthday to raise $1 million for Able Gamers. And we're doing our small part. We have a modest goal of $5,000 and we are over halfway to that goal now. So thank you to everybody who has donated so far. If you want to learn more about how to donate, you can head to our Twitch channel and just smash that donate command in the chat and all of the details and the links will be there for you. And hit the follow button while you're there. And I also want to remind you that we announced we are finally going to be publishing on the Friends of Rooster Teeth channel at roosterteeth.com. If you go to roosterteeth.com currently to watch some of your other favorite RT content, you can now find What's Good Games there. So please check us out at rt.com and uh, let them know that we sent you. everybody it is the second segment of the what's good games podcast and this is where we talk about what we've been playing and today this segment is brought to you by AT&T 5G now that RTX at home has come to a close we at what's good games want to give a big shout out and thank you to AT&T for helping Rooster Teeth throw an amazing RTX this year without them the show literally would not have been possible and hopefully you guys caught our what's good games appearance on the wonderful world of games journalism panel it was super fun and if you missed it rtxevent.com is where you should go I do want to tell you that AT&T's 5G network is now available nationwide whether you're at home or on the go you'll enjoy coverage in more places plus AT&T doesn't make it complicated 5G access is included in all best consumer unlimited plans at no extra cost if you want more information on AT&T 5G visit att.com 5G I was laughing really hard because in your one shot, I noticed that Mario was in the corner just <laughs> staring at you. <laughs> What's up with fucking Mario being a creeper? <laughs> so, so I'm holding, for everybody watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, I found these go-karts, these little mini RC cars that are from Carrera. Mm. Is that the name of the company? Not sure about the company name, but you got them. with a C. Um, so they are the little um, remote controlled carts that look like the Mario Kart cars that are very similar to what's going to be launching with Mario Kart Live Circuit, which you may have seen in the Mario Kart 35th anniversary Nintendo Direct that happened that I'm very excited about. I actually was walking through Costco when I went to visit my mom in Arizona and I saw these cars, it was a set of Mario and Luigi. And I was like, wait, is that the, are those the cars that are in live circuit? And I have to imagine that they're very similar, if not from the same manufacturer, but they clearly are going to have different technology baked in to accommodate the augmented reality. That's part of that game. 
But I saw them and I was like, I can't, I can't not buy them. And because it was at Costco, they were a very good price. And Steimer put a funny video up on her Instagram stories of me attempting to chase my cat Maverick oh, with the Mav. cart. And he was very not happy about it. Maverick didn't like it, but it oh. was great content. Oh. <laughs> so hopefully, Britt, once you are able to come visit, we can, we can race. Yeah, and I'll even room, let you room. be Mario. Okay, great. And Thanks. I'll give you the Luigi stare. Yoshi, get the fuck out. Death stare. There is no Yoshi. Uh, there is no Yoshi or Princess Peach as of right so now. So you're going to have There's to just only Mario and Luigi. In your mind, one of them just transpose Yoshi. We could print out a photo of Yoshi and put it on top of the now Mario if you want. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely See? perfect. There you go. Or you could find your own set and we could spray paint it green. It's true. Okay. But we'd have to like really dismantle it to get the head off. Yeah. And put a Yoshi head yeah. There. yeah. It would require some extensive work. Which, let's yeah. be honest, we're not going to do. We're not oh. going to. All right, let's talk about some games, shall we? Yeah. Brittany, yeah. would you like to go first? I would love to, Andrea. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. That was a good, like, Mario. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Okay, so oh, I... Let's go. Let's go. So I play, have been playing, have been playing, have stopped playing because I rage quit, Mafia Definitive Edition. So this is a remake of the 2002 Mafia game. It is developed by Hangar, published by 2K, and it is out. It was out the, sept- the September 25th. Yeah, I think that's right. Anywho, so I got this um, awesome press kit from 2K, which is very, very kind. There's now an unboxing video on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. I thought to myself, hey, actually, and the press kit didn't didn't include an actual game or a voucher for a game. So I was like, okay, cool. You sold me. Like, I see what you did here. All right, right on. So I went and I purchased the game because I thought, you know, there's not a lot of games that take place in the 30s and it's part of the mafia. And hey, like, that sounds a little different right now. I'm all for it. So I started Who doesn't playing. love a good mafia story? A good mafia story. You know, I love my Yakuza <laughs> stories. I love all my gangs. I had an obsession you with You like gangs. gangsters. I like yeah. gangsters, yeah. You um, just like being part of a family. Aww. <laughs> oh, too that's, real, that's like, Steimer. It's like too the most real. wholesome way to take anybody who really likes mafia things. <laughs> I, you know, maybe that's what it is. Thanks, Steimer. I feel like I'm normal now. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to be loved. Um, so as part of this remake, it has obviously been rebuilt from the ground up. It has an expanded story. The gameplay has been updated. The city itself is larger. There's now motorcycles and there's some classic difficulty, which probably means something to some people. It means nothing to me. And the idea is you are Tommy Angelo, who is a cab driver, just minding his own business when you somehow come across two mobsters. And before you know it, you're a part of, part of their family. One event leads to another. But the weird thing is, and this is, I think, where one of the shortfalls is of this game, is it takes... So it's like, okay, plot point, do this chapter, you finish it, okay, move on to the next chapter, finish it. So it's not like this open world setting where you kind of... And maybe you eventually does open up, but it's very, like linear in the sense where it's like this is the this is the story beat we're gonna have you do that we're gonna have you do this one and this one and some years pass in between those story beats and the problem is you never really get to get in the head of tommy you don't really understand like he was just a normal cab driver and all of a sudden he's part of the mafia like i don't know how that happened or why that happened and i don't know why he joined like they never really explain that so that's kind of one of the shortfalls in the storytelling you don't join the mafia the mafia joins you there you go i guess that's exactly it thanks emmer for that explanation much appreciated um that said though in the four to five hours I did play, I did find the characters interesting enough. I thought the game had, you know, pretty fine enough graphics for what it was. And I was interested. I was interested so much that after I rage quit, I wanted to know where the story was going. And I hopped on Wikipedia and read the whole plot summary. And, I mean, Wait, so a- you, did you rage quit because of the linearity or was there something else? So I, I encountered about the four to five hours in. 
this infamous level, which I didn't really know existed because I had never played this far in the original one. It's yeah. the racing level. And mm. in this that level, you have, there's 16, oh no, and I'm terrible at driving in games. And this game loves its driving levels. It loves driving. Totally mm-hmm. not my jam. Uh, Andrew, have you played Mafia? I've dabbled. Okay. Um, saying that I have extensive experience would be a lie. Yeah. Like, so literally, like collectively between the games, like maybe five hours. Yeah. So this is a racing level and there are 16 racers and you have to get first place. And no. if you don't get first place, you got to start the whole thing over again. Even putting it on easy doesn't help? No. I mean, no. Like there, You can change the only options I know when it comes to the cars that you can change if you want it to be an automatic or manual. And like that is not Oh, my God. Happen. A it's manual It's like car? that one level in Arkham Knight with the, when you're in like a Riddler th- challenge. Oh, God. And you have to drive through this weird twisty turny underground thing and you have to get it perfect and if you don't you have to start it over from the beginning like i was it was like a controller throwing oh yeah it's not good and apparently even back in the day this is where most people would quit playing the game and uh for better for worse so they didn't fix it definitely for worse yeah hangar was very um true to form and they kept it uh very annoying and very like granted like i suck at driving games but even the driving controls in this are very very bad and i could be in first place and if i just in the car has no weight to it it feels so light i would go over a little bump my car would go flying i would end up on my back facing the wrong direction the car would end up on upside down facing the wrong direction and you have to wait for the car to kind of come to a slow stop before you can press up on the d-pad to flip your car and by that point there's like eight or nine cars ahead of you and then you're just fucked so i gave it three goes and i was like you know what nope i'm done um it also the game also just kind of controlled like it was from 2002 i feel like those weren't refined very well especially for a remake and a game coming out in 2020 it felt kind of clumsy the gunplay just wasn't anything to write home about and overall like i think the story and the characters were great and fun and interesting but the gameplay itself and it was just it turned me off but some people don't mind that i mean this game has i think a 78 on metacritic and some people are giving it like eights and nines and other people are giving it like fives and sixes so it's definitely one of those games where i would say it depends on how good you are at that one particular how good are you at driving (laughs) that's gonna influence all did you make it through the racing without ripping your hair out yes or no it's a five or a six if you did it it's an eight or a nine if you did so uh, we have a question from page friend official prime six and that he asks or she asks, does mafia one work for someone who has never played the original and has no nostalgia for me? Clearly it did not, but I have read reviews and I have seen people talk about the fact this is their first world dive into mafia because it is a remake. And they really enjoyed it. Um, so I would say just lo- watch some videos and like Simer said, how good are you at driving? Yeah. Cause it sounds like for the most part you were really into it and you were interested obviously a little bit dated in terms of the structure yeah but without that one level it sounds like you probably would have finished it maybe i'm I'm, it was it was good enough to hold my attention for like four to five hours and if i hadn't rage quit i probably would have played for a few more i don't really know it's only like an 18 well 18 19 hour game that's kind of the beefy (laughs) one it's only about 20 hours of my life (laughs) let me think about that yeah so i honestly couldn't tell you how long it would hold my interest i did like i said like story cool got my attention but uh it just yeah so, but nothing some good old cliff notes can't just catch you 100%. up on. 100%. No, you totally got it. I mean, the story itself, I was reading, I'm like, oh, this is a roller coaster. Oh, this is good. But yeah, I just never got to see it. And it, it turns out, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, <gasps> pretty much. Well, you know. Well, based off the footage that we have been watching from a gameplay trailer that was released, 
it looks like they did a decent job with the remake as far as really upgrading the graphics and bringing them into current gen, which I think is important when you're talking about a remake versus a remaster, right? And I think that that is definitely going to entice players who maybe never got around to playing Mafia to play. It's a bummer that that one scene was a sticking point for clearly many gamers out there. You would think that... 2K would recognize that having looked at the feedback from the original game and given people a way to maybe skip cheese that or skip it yeah. or something. Because like if you've tried X amount of times, like say, you, yeah, like a few times you go through and you don't get it. Be like, would you like to skip ahead? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would have yes, been great. Yes, I would. And maybe yeah. that would have been an option after three times. But yeah, but no, like you said, Andrew, the, the cutscenes themselves look really nice and pretty. The game itself, when you're outside of a cutscene, looks fine. I mean, it's nothing like to write home about. But yeah, I think it, I think they did a good job. And I think that's why it is getting the reviews it's getting around like a good solid seven and above. But uh, other than that, like, yeah, it just wasn't for me. But I know it's for a lot of other people. And I mean, just looking at it, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, but, but yeah, when you get the actual controller in your hand, it, it just didn't feel super great. But that's okay. That's okay. It's technically still an old game. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's old. And there's lots of new games out there. Like the game like. that I'm talking about. Segway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that passive was a little clumsy. I was trying to go for we No, I like that. baton tossed to... <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, well, thank you, Brittany, for checking it out and thank you to 2k for sending those very wonderfully packaged amazing collector's editions for the definitive edition of mafia i'm going to be doing a giveaway with mine because it's got some really cool whiskey glasses and a zippo lighter and a bunch of stuff which you can find in Brittany's unboxing video which you can check out at youtube.com slash what's good games and keep an eye on our social media for how we will be giving away my collector's edition but now, on to Star Wars. I was trying War to think about, do I want to do the Imperial March or do I want to try to do like the opening? But I don't because I'm sure I'll just get a content ID flag. Uh, I would say we're not that good at it, but I remember the one time we, yeah. we badly sang, we did get a content flag, not a strike. We didn't get a strike. We just got, they just took our money. That's what happened. It's true. They were just like, we own that actually. So <laughs> there's things. a surprising <laughs> amount of people who content ID our stuff that I'm like, but why though? But why though? Like how we featured some of the TGS content from Capcom and they content ID'd Capcom our stuff. Did? Yeah, C yeah, Capcom did. Hmm. And I was like, like, why Capcom? Why you, why you do deal? that? Yeah. Don't do that, Capcom. They want to it for themselves. <gasps> I know. Did they track it or monetize it? That's interesting. They monetized it. Ooh. Which is why patreon.com slash what's good games, everybody. But let's talk about Star Wars Squadrons. So y'all know that when we originally were talking about this game, none of us were really that excited. And I have to say, my playtime with the game so far has turned me around in a way that I was not anticipating. And I have really been enjoying my time so far. And as of the podcast recording, the game is technically not live yet. I did get to play in a coordinated multiplayer session with a bunch of other members of the media and other content creators. So I got to spend, you know, some 
good hours playing in multiplayer in matchmaking, but it wasn't in a real matchmaking environment. So thus, you know, please do take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. Who knows what's going to happen with the multiplayer servers and structures once the game actually goes live. I know that that's important. I'm sure it'll be slightly messy at first. Every multiplayer launch has its messes, right? But the thing I really want to impress upon people about my experience is that I was really concerned about a space flight combat game because I typically don't like space flight combat games because I get really nauseous when I don't have a horizon line. I really just don't like dogfighting games in general, but I was so impressed by everything that Motive put into this game that I really wanted to make sure to chat with you guys about that and do my due diligence. So um, just a little bit of background about the game for everybody who is like, oh, I heard that they were making a Star Wars game, but I don't really quite remember like what that Star Wars game is. So EA Motive Studio is has been making this game and working on it. They have showed it off a couple of times so far, but they've also been very clear that this is not like a full AAA Star Wars title like we got with Jedi Fallen Order from Respawn last year. This is a shorter experience much more focused on multiplayer than it is on the campaign. There is a campaign, but from all of the other press that I talked to at the event today, it sounds like the campaign is around eight to 10 hours. Now I do also want to remind everybody that EA provided me access to the multiplayer event ahead of launch. EA also provided me with a code for star Wars squadron so that I could evaluate it. So just as a disclaimer for our FTC friends, FCC, FTC, FTC. I, I always get it wrong, <laughs> literally every time. Um, is that I s- still want to play more of this game. So I've got a couple of hours into the single player campaign and I've got about four or five hours into the multiplayer. So a decent amount of time, but still not enough time for me to really fully evaluate it because there's a couple of different modes. So I'm going to pull up some of my gameplay footage. I was going to pull up my notes, but then I decided, you know what? Why don't I just pull up my footage instead? Yeah. Seems like it was the game. Seems like the right thing to do. So how did you play it and what did you play it with? So I played on PS4 Pro, but they do have support for PC, for PSVR. There's another VR platform. Let me look it up. Um, And um, Xbox. And it's cross-play between all platforms. You can play with a flight stick. You can play with keyboard and mouse. You can play with controller. There is the ability to disable matchmaking for PC and VR players if you're playing on console. So if you're like, hey, I don't want to play PvP against people who are clearly in a superior setup than me, you can disable that. But if you want to have a faster matchmaking experience, you can also play Full crossplay, which I think is awesome. I think a game like this is definitely going to target a smaller audience that you definitely need to. Um, sorry, let me mute this. This is the wrong video. Um, you definitely need to. For a game like this that has a smaller audience, you absolutely need to take as much advantage of players as you can and as big of a player base as you can. Because while this game is going to be popular, it's not going to have battlefield levels of popularity that's just the way it's going to be so let me long gone are the tie fighter and uh x-wing days you know i never thought about it that way but that's That's, i mean that's why i was i mean i'm not super excited about this game but it definitely gives me a little bit of nostalgia 
for when I had that flight stick and I would mm. little joystick on my dad's computer and we would play um, X-Wing and we'd play TIE Fighter when that came out and it was just... Yeah, I think this we game did looks still really get fun. a little dizzy, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but when you're uh, a kid, yeah. you can handle that shit better anyway. Let's be yeah, real. That's true. I remember even like trying to go through the training ones. You try to hit hit the gates, and sometimes you just be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you just do a fucking barrel roll for no reason. So I did find some of the controls confusing and some of the modes, but overall, I was actually like really impressed with how well the game controlled. And so I think a lot of what that had to do with is that Motive made sure that when they were making this game, that this game was not about moving the reticule across the screen. This was about moving the ship across the screen. And the reason why I'm making that distinction is because anybody who's played any kind of a flight game kind of knows what that feels like and what the difference feels like. And for everybody who is watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, please just know that the quality of my gameplay capture is not indicative of the final code of the game. This is just indicative of the capture, the way that I was able to capture and show you, but I did want to just show you a little bit. So just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. If you want to see full resolution gameplay capture, I just refer you to the EA YouTube channel. That aside, what I noticed about controlling the ship was that you definitely felt like you were moving the weight of the ship around. It didn't feel like loose. It didn't feel flimsy. I didn't feel like I was constantly looking off into space in random directions. I actually felt like I had more control over my ship and I could definitely feel the differences between the different classes of ships. So each side, the New Republic and the Empire has five classes of ship. And of course, you know, the popular classes the tie fighter and the x-wing mm -hmm. and that's what i spent most of my time with and what i liked about them is that you know they feel like kind of like an all-around assault class kind of workhorse they are really approachable i was playing on story mode by the way because i was like i'm not even trying to mess around with advanced difficulty i was like i'll get there once i feel like i have a good handle on some of the systems and what I like about the way that the ships felt is that they felt weighted. And when you're using the, the two sticks on the controller, you actually use the left stick to control, you know, your, uh, it's, it's not pitch. I can't remember if it's pitch or yaw. Um, I always forget what the flight terms are, but essentially like to do a barrel roll, you would just hit the left stick mm -hmm. and then to actually look around and change your direction, you use the right stick. And I know that that seems like it's the intuitive way to fly, but for some reason in a lot of other flight combat games that I've played, it doesn't feel like it has the same weight that it did in Star Wars Squadrons. And that's, I, I keep wanting to emphasize that because it felt so good to fly. At no point... Did I feel like I got dizzy? Did I feel like I got sick or that I got mm. lost? There were a couple of points where I <laughs> kept flying myself into rocks because I was just <laughs> under pressure and making bad mistakes, but that was not the fault of the controls of the game. That was really just user error. Just they panic. <laughs> they literally just called it pilot error. Like I died by pilot error. <laughs> Is it an error if I it love was intentional? That. Um, I mean, yes, it's still because you don't really want to kill yourself. I, I you mean, might I, if you don't want to get captured by the enemy. You know, ah. I, I didn't think about a pilot suicide. There is a way to just crash into other ships. So that is <laughs> yeah. something that maybe they should take you out with me. <laughs> they should think about. 
Um, but the multiplayer modes that I played today, I played the traditional dogfight mode, which is really much just like your 5v5 team deathmatch. And then I played uh, the fleet assault mode. And that was actually a lot more interesting to me because it felt like it had more objective-based gameplay, which I'll show you in just a second. But essentially, in the regular dogfight mode, it's exactly what it sounds like. You want to make sure that you are killing as many other ships as possible. But I like that you can choose which side you want to you prefer for matchmaking. There's no guarantee that you're going to get that side. Um, actually, I don't know if that's true. I'd have to double check. You might just have to wait longer. Mm. 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 I feel like somebody asked this and times. I wrote it down maybe in my notes. So it's definitely um, in your notes somewhere. In your notes there you file. go. Yes, in my notes somewhere. Um, so I apologize for not having that information as accurate as I would like. But the thing that I thought was really interesting about this game is that the gameplay looks great, but the campaign really does look a lot like some of the previous Star Wars games that we've got over the last couple of years in the sense of, of cutscenes And... I think that that's important to note because I think sometimes when people hear that there is a game that is not a full AAA price that they're like, oh, it's going to be like like a shittier version of the game or like a lower quality version. And I really don't look at this game that way. I feel like EA priced it the way that they did because they know that if they priced it at $60, people would be expecting like a, a Jedi Fallen Order level of campaign and that's just not what you're going to get here Speaking and i'm showing that, on screen the sorry, sorry. Brittany, to cut you off i just want to let people know if you're watching at youtube.com games this is just the beginning the opening of the campaign so this is no spoilers okay so you said you're not super far in but we do have a question from delilah and she wants to know does star wars squadron have a good unique story like jedi fallen order or is it just focused on space flight and combat Unfortunately, I'm not able to answer that yet. I'm sure that there will be plenty of people that will have full campaign reviews once the game launches. The embargo, of course, by the time the podcast is up, is is up. I just, by the time we needed to record the podcast, we had a couple of other gameplay preview events this week that we're going to be talking about on next week's show. And so I wasn't able to get as far into the campaign story as I would like. So unfortunately, I can't answer that but neither confirm nor deny yeah exactly but i mean it's set in the star wars universe there's a lot of star wars lore i think that you should manage your expectations about what you're expecting from a star wars campaign in this game because it's clear to me that the focus of this game is the multiplayer the fact that there's even a campaign at all i think is awesome and i think it gives players the ability to test out and really kind of hone their skills Sorry, I got excited. You got excited about the TIE Fighter? Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you an Empire? Are you an Empire I just person? thought those ships were fun to fly. Right? It takes me back to when I was like seven years old playing this shit. <laughs> they are super fun to fly. All of the ships feel really fun to fly. I liked I liked the Imperial ships more or just like TIE Fighters more because they're tiny. And so for me, I'm like, hey, I am a tiny little bomber plane and I'm going to fly around and get you. Um, get you. And Laura's like a lot of the, the Republic ones are like uh, big. And like, there's Y boats and like weird shit. And you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want to fly that. Like, the X Wing, sure. Because oh, speaking, it's, you know, it's the cool one of ships. Another question relevant to this topic comes from Dracos three four four two. How is the balance between the different starship types in Star Wars Squadrons? Did you ever feel like you could not defeat Starship X because you had chosen Starship Y? Yes. Oh. I did, but it wasn't because of the balance of the ships. It was because of user inexperience. 100% 
was on me. And it was interesting because we had a group chat with some of the other media people playing. And Kat Bailey, who is a friend of the show, uh, was talking with me. And I had mentioned that the support class for the New Republic I found really difficult because it's a little bit slower because it's a support class, but it has a little bit more armor. And I just felt like I was really just getting targeted a lot in PvP. And a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that I just didn't know the systems well because I had just started playing. And she was like, well, I've actually had a lot of success with it. And I was like, you don't have to remind me that you're a better gamer than me all the time, Kat. It's fine. <laughs> well, there's that, but then there's also, I mean, if the people you were playing against are smart, you always go, you take out support first. Yes. Well, I mean, I was definitely consistently targeted because I was slower. And the way that you spec your ships is also going to be different. And that leads me to some of the progression. So what they really wanted to overemphasize when they were talking about this game is that everything you can earn in the game is in the game at launch. There are no microtransactions. There's right now no plans or public plans for DLC everything all the customizations i wonder if i should buy this for my dad all of it's in the game you can get it all at launch for that one price which i think is an interesting choice but what they talked about the team at motive was really their desire to bring this old school and make it feel like a revival of these old star wars flight games of yore and let people know like hey everything that can be unlocked in the game you can earn by just playing the game and I thought that that was a really cool choice that they made. And I think a lot of old school gamers are really going to appreciate that. And I think people like me who want a fast track to get all of the cosmetics are going to be annoyed because I'm like, just let me buy it. And they're like, nah, you got to play. They're like, no, we got yelled at a lot for that. Yeah, so we, we're yeah, gonna, we learned our yeah, lesson. We're going to avoid They're like, that. yeah, so yeah. actually about that, um, <laughs> we found out that people actually are not kind of fans of that. We don't need Disney daddy coming after us again. They like to, you know... They like to, to raise hell. Yeah, I'm trying to just... So I'm just scrolling through some of my footage here um, to see if I can find you guys some of the um, the customization um, so that you can see. So you can customize both your New Republic and your Imperial ship and your pilot, which I think is really cool. And they have a bunch of different customization options. So when you're in your hangar... Hi, little buddy. That is a droid, Yes. When you're in your hangar, you can take a look at your ship and you can look inside your cockpit. So look, it's your feet. Yeah. It's so, your arm. I mean, oh. but like it's important that you, they let players do this because you can customize your gloves. You can customize your oh. flight suit. There's, of course, little like dashboard um, toys you can <gasps> customize. Oh, but those are cute. Oh yeah, so let me scroll forward here because I, I I went through and looked at I looked at a lot I looked at almost all it all Ooh, there we go. the colors Ooh, I like colors paint jobs very nice very nice yeah so I mean customization I think is key for people being invested and wanting to keep playing to earn more credits there's two different systems of credits that you earn one are unlocks for gameplay enabled boosts for your ship. Things like changing up your shield, changing up the type of guns that you have, upgrading your ship that give you a gameplay advantage. And then you have another set of in-game currency that's specifically tied to customization. So playing games earns you both of those currencies. Again, none of these things available for sale. All of it 
earnable in-game just by playing. So <laughs> there is no pay-to-win system. People who have powerful unlocks for their ships is because they played a bunch. Aww. Oh, I see the this dashboard things. Yeah. yeah. A Tauntaun plush? Nice. Can you have like oh, pink and plush. purple LEDs in your cockpit? This is cool. Um, I don't think that... I didn't see any LED options, particularly in the New Republic stuff, but there is a red like LED skin for your TIE fighter, which I believe I show. Hold on. Let me find it for the Imperial stuff. Let me see here. Um, Ooh, you had a just, pink. Yeah. Just so, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's like the, this is like the payoff, right? Is that you get the skin that you want. Oh, here's some helmets. <laughs> <Of course there's laughs> helmets. Um, and they have some really fun character heads that are oh, lore based. Twilight. In the Star Wars universe, which is great, that of course are a lot more money. But look at now, I have my purple skin oh, on I my X-wing, and that's really that's really what it's all about. Everybody is you just you want the you want the skin on the thing that you want. So let me show you a little bit of the Imperial stuff too, just so you guys don't think I'm Republic biased, even though obviously I'm New Republic biased. <laughs> um, but there's like icons that you can put Stamps. on your ship, which is great, and then there are again more flair that's centered purely around wow. the imperial set of lore and then where i lost my mouse there it is and then you can see some of the exterior skins for for your ship hold on where is it oh i'm just showing you some of the some faces some of the the customization cool. you can do with your pilot as well so there's there's a lot of options and i think that what they want to do is obviously incentivize people to keep playing by giving them customization things to unlock so but again all of it's available in the game, so you can't really be mad at it. You just got to sink the time in to get all the stuff you want. You just got to fly around a lot. Yeah. That's but it. biggest takeaway was that the games were, were really fun. Um, the fleet mode was awesome because it felt like it was more objective-based. So you on one side, obviously, you're either Imperial and New Republic. It's 5v5. And you have your mini AI ships and then you have your player controlled ships and each side is trying to take out like a first line of defense. And then if you take out one line of defense, you earn morale and then you can push to the second line of defense and then ultimately to the big starship at the back. And your morale can change over the course of the duration of the match, which I think is really interesting. And there's all of these AI enemies that you have to deal with as well, but you get more morale points for taking down player controlled ships. What I like about it is it doesn't feel like it's just team deathmatch where I was just dying, respawning, dying, respawning. Here you actually have to think about strategy, work with your team, pick your ship class thoughtfully and come up with a, a team strategy on how you want to win. And you can change your ship mid midway through the match if you're like, yo, I need to like catch up because I need a more defensive strategy now or oh. I want to go on the offensive and I thought it was a really interesting mode that I want to spend some more time with. Mm -hmm. And uh, the actual name of that mode, I feel I'm getting wrong. So let me double check my notes here. Check your notes. Check my notes. But yeah. Um, so does this make either of you change your mind? I was just thinking mind? about that. I, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm curious to try it. Only for I'm going to wait for your single player campaign impressions, though. That's the thing I want to know about. Because I like Jedi Fallen Order as someone who's not a very big Star Wars fan. Because I thought that was compelling enough. Someone who didn't know up from down in that universe. 
But yeah, like dogfighting games usually turn me off. I get dizzy. I get sick. I just suck. Anything where I have to like operate a vehicle, that's not my body in a game. <laughs> it's You're like, I don't even have a license for this in real life. No. Just kidding. You can drive a car. I can drive a car. But yeah, I see what you're going with there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. So um, I'm going to wait for your single player impressions. If you come back and be like, hey, the story is really great. I think it's worth checking out. Then I'll, you know, I'll trust you, Andrea. But until then, I'm going to, you know, just keep my panties untwisted and keep them on the standby. That well, made no sense. <laughs> like next to you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I appreciate that. And it's called Fleet Battles is the official name of that mode. And Ian Frazier is the creative director at Motive, who we heard speak on the game today. And I just also wanted to mention for people who are super interested in this game, they sent me an email confirming all of the different flight sticks that are compatible, including um, one, the Logitech Extreme 3D Pro, and then three different ones from Thrustmaster and yeah. then one from SciTech. So, of course, you can get all that information on the Star Wars Squadron's website. What about my uh, joystick from 1995? Dude. Do you, um, do you think dude. it still works? I'm no sure my Steimer. dad still has it somewhere in that fucking house. <laughs> no, Steimer. It doesn't work, Steimer. You should but, get your dad to game, Steimer. Probably what? Like it. You should get your dad to game. He'd probably like it. I think he would only like it if he got a new joystick flight stick. Sounds like a Christmas present waiting to happen. Hey. Are those things expensive? Yeah, they can Depends. be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like back in the day, ours wasn't great. It was just literally the literally a joystick yeah huh. technology for flight six has definitely come a long way but i think it's really great that they're allowing people who are using these alternate input methods to play in the same crossplay matches as everybody else and i think that it's going to make for some really interesting matchmaking which is why i'm curious to see how it's going to go with crossplay once the game is live in the wild mm-hmm. so yeah it's that um, thank you again to EA for inviting me to play the game ahead of launch. I am definitely going to spend a little bit more time in this game. I, I Again, I'm impressed. I thought I was going to hate this game. I really enjoy Star Wars games. But flight combat games and me just generally don't mix. But boy, oh boy, was I impressed. I just want to go through the tutorial where it's a bunch of gates you got to fly through. Take me back. Take me back to my childhood. <laughs> um, there's not really gates that you have to fly through Damn in the tutorials. Why though. would they not do that again? It's just a throwback to be like, hey, remember this? Maybe Aww. it's later in the campaign and there's that like a be, nod to it. There's just like uh, some gates you randomly have to fly through. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone who's new to the game will be like, what the hell is this? And anyone who ever played X-Wing or TIE Fighter will be like, the gates! <laughs> the gates are back! <laughs> Well, I mean, you do have to fly through. Well, they're not really like gates, but you have to fly through these like green circles when you need to get repaired in multiplayer matches. I feel like they were hmm. straight up like like a like, like a, a football gate. upright, like a but 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 upside down, yeah. Oh, but oh. upside down, yeah. Got it. Uh. So like just a rectangle, just a rectangle, but not closed. Oh, an open ended rectangle. Yes. <laughs> Got it. That makes no sense. No, it Excellent. doesn't. <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take our last break of the show. When we come back, we have a special interview with Tiffany Beers from Logitech, who is the head of gaming innovation. I had a really fun conversation with her about her previous life working in sneakers at Nike Ooh. and what she's doing now at Logitech, including one of the cool new headsets that you guys may have seen me post about. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. 
good, everybody? Welcome back. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And for this week's feature segment, I had the awesome opportunity to chat with Tiffany Beers, the head of gaming innovation and audio engineering at Logitech. Now, we here at What's Good Games have been partnered with Logitech really since we launched. They provided us with some of our equipment when we first got started, and they've been a fantastic partner to work with in the years that followed. You obviously know that we've given away their mice. We've given away their keyboards. We've even given away webcams, and now they have a new line of products in their color collection that we want to talk to you guys about today. But more importantly, I really wanted to take the opportunity to chat with an amazing woman who works in the gaming industry industry who not only is a gamer that plays games just like everybody who listens and watches the show but she has some really interesting things to say about how you can transition to working in the gaming industry if you currently work in a different industry but you love video games and she talks to me about her story starting with Nike and working on shoes for a living and then how she translated those skills into the really cool stuff that she's doing with Logitech now so I really hope that you guys enjoy the interview. What's good, everybody? Andrea Renee here with a special interview, and we're going to be talking about some cool products with Tiffany Beers, the head of gaming innovation and audio engineering for Logitech. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So I was really excited when our friends at Logitech reached out to us and said, hey, we have this new product line launching. Do you guys want to talk about it on the show? And because What's Good Games has had such an amazing partnership with Logitech since the very beginning of our launch, I was like, absolutely. So let's talk about it. And they said, well, we have this really cool person on our staff named Tiffany, and we think that she would be great to talk about it. And I saw your title and was like, wow. That's a really neat title. What does somebody who is the head of gaming innovation do exactly? Yeah, so gaming innovation, it's all about like bringing new ideas to the table for gaming. So um, it focuses on the experience, the the users, like how they're using the product, like is what's a pain? What don't they like about it? Uh, and it focuses on innovating those kind of areas. So innovation generally is... Uh, you know, the better the innovation, the more intuitive it is. So sometimes you won't even realize, you'll just know, like when you put this headset on, oh, it's so much more comfortable, like it just works better, then you know there's innovation behind it. Absolutely. I'm all about iterating and innovating. We try to do a little bit of that here on our show, but certainly not on the scale of what you're working on over there. Uh, another part of your title that is super important to what we're talking about today, of course, is audio engineering. How did you get involved in, in audio engineering and what does that do or how does that relate to what you're working on at Logitech? Yeah. So audio engineering, you know, it's, it's the, the art of engineering audio products really is what it is. And so I actually just joined Logitech two years ago, um, two years ago tomorrow, actually. Oh, um, happy anniversary. Thank you. So, uh, and I didn't know anything about audio before this, to be totally honest. You know, I built shoes. I have a plastics engineering degree. I spent 13 years doing shoes. And the fascinating part for me is uh, everything in audio is about vibration, right? What we hear is actually vibrations, you know? And so I was just fascinated about it and I love gaming. And so those two things kind of came together. And then when it was headsets, it's all about fitting things to the body. And from, from working in footwear, um, you know, fitting things to the body is very particular and there's an art and a science to it. And so the audio engineering was kind of like the perfect mix of all three, you know, fitting things to the body, gaming, and then I could learn all about audio uh, through the process. So that's kind of 
what I like about it. And, you know, it, it involves building drivers for headsets, paying attention to what people are listening to, what cues are they listening? Because in gaming, audio is different than music, right? When you're just listening to music, it depends on the level of audiophile that you are, um, depends on what you're hearing. But in gaming, it's very particular, you know, Every, you hear everyone talk about footsteps and gunshots, and it's not just about hearing footsteps and gunshots. It's about hearing what kind of shoes those are and what kind of gun that is. Uh, so it's way more in-depth than I originally thought, and I absolutely love it. That's so fascinating that you took this long career working with a company like Nike and said, hey, I have all of these very specific skills. How can I apply those to something that I'm passionate about in my personal life and make it, you know, a new step in my professional career? And I think that it's such a inspiring message to people out there who also want to get into the gaming industry who are like, hey, I have these other skills in this other industry. How do I apply that? I think that that's such a unique and amazing example of a way to say, hey, like I did it. You can do it, too. Yeah, entirely. Like electronics, I've always been obsessed with electronics and digital products. Like I'm the first one, like if there's, you know, I don't know if you remember, there was a fork that vibrated to help you control like what you were eating, like all these weird little digital products. I, <laughs> I have never seen that, all. but now I want to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, and try them. And so I'm, I just personally super interested in that side and then sport. I love sport. Um, and I just, they're all intersecting in some weird way and I don't know how it'll all end up, but gaming is just so fascinating with how people and how games like death stranding, it's so realistic. Like it's just so fascinating. Um, so yeah, if I can do it, you know, I came out of footwear and jumped into electronics just because I was passionate about learning it. You know, I didn't learn electronics in school or anything. I mean, I have an Arduino board that I'm working on right now, <laughs> learning how to put circuits together and write nice. firmware. But yeah, so it's, it's super fun. I think that that is really, really cool. And I thought it was interesting when you were talking about what's so fascinating specifically about the way that games use audio and why headsets are more important, particularly going into this next generation. You hear somebody like Mark Cerny for Sony talking about how they're really putting an emphasis on audio in the PlayStation 5, for example. And it made me think of a game that you told me you were playing that I've been playing that has very important audio in my mind, Animal Crossing, New <laughs> Horizons. You talk about footsteps and, and gunshots, and I'm like, yeah, but if you don't hear the wind of the balloon as it passes over <laughs> exactly or the fish right the fish in the water yep. um, the shooting stars yeah. it's important exactly audio is such it just adds to your immersion uh, it adds to the whole experience and I for me I'm one of those people that if I'm watching a movie I become one of the characters and I'm absorbed in it and my husband and I always joke is like I'm on my way to Mars leave me alone I don't have time to go get you <laughs> <laughs> or go get a beverage or dessert. Like I'm on my way to Mars. Uh, we've been watching these Mars shows lately. So, so in a game, like same thing, like I'll completely get absorbed in it. And, and when I started playing Animal Crossing, I played it so much at the end. It was the beginning of COVID, right? That when I was outside and I would see like a butterfly or hummingbird, I'm like, oh, let me get my net out. I'm going to go catch that <laughs> in real life. And so it was just fascinating how that whole experience kind of comes together. And on, on the importance of headset, even the isolation, so that you're only hearing that game um, and the details of that game, too, also triggers immersion and, and kind of joy on some level. Like the first time I heard 
a really, really high quality audio. Uh, it was literally at Logitech. Some people gave me like the setup with this DAC and stuff and these really good headphones. And I was like, wow, it just made me smile. It was so beautiful. And so I think gaming audio does that too. If you can listen at a really high quality and, and just let yourself get fully immersed. It's really been interesting watching the way that Logitech as a company has really diversified their gaming suite of products, particularly with this new line of Logitech G stuff that's all connected via the G Hub. I mean, I think a lot of people hear Logitech and they instantly think webcams, right? Because it's <laughs> it's the reason why a lot of people know the Logitech brand. But, you know, in the last couple of years, it's really been a awesome product rollout of things that are happening, including the headsets that we're both wearing and that we're here to talk about today, the G733. So this was debuted about a month ago, roughly. And it was this really fun colorway trailer that came out that's like, hey, not only do we have lots of technology jam-packed into these headphones, but they come in fun colors too. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) I know. Yeah. No, totally. I, you know, even when I you know, coming from Nike, then I was at Tesla for a little while. And then I was uh, doing my own YouTube channel and Logitech kept reaching out. I'm like, Logitech, you know, but after I learned more and more about the company, like they're incredible. So then stepping into the gaming, you know, I remember my first week putting on headset, like the 935. And I was like, oh my gosh, why is it so big? Why is it so heavy? (laughs) You know, I had it as small as it could be and it's still not quite on my ears. Um, and, and then can I, is there a different color? Does anyone have a different color in the office? <laughs> so those are all kinds of things like that I started questioning right from the beginning. And so this headset, it's our lightest weight to date. It's 278 grams. And that's a huge play in the comfort of the headset. Uh, it's all about weight. Anytime you're fitting things to the body, weight, you have to control the weight so that it can fit different bodies, right? Because we all have different bodies. We all have different weights. And so height, size, shape is so variable. So we have to really control the weight to make it comfortable. And then on top of that, the color, right? Like who wouldn't love to have a beautiful headset, not to mention a mouse and keyboard that all match and like change it up from black because everything's been black or shades of gray for decades, (laughs) excluding a a white (laughs) mouse here or there, a white headset. Um, so yeah, it was an opportunity to real play with color. What do you th- what do you think of the colors? I love I love it. So I'm wearing the lilac in the video. So if you guys are listening on podcasts, please do go to youtube.com slash what's good games and you can see the colors that both Tiffany and I are wearing. And you have the blue on, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And so there's also a black, which I have actually over there somewhere, and then there is a white. What's the other color? Yep. Yeah, white. white. Yep. So lilac, blue, white, and black. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wearing I love the blue it. one, but I changed out the ear pads from the white one, I think, or, or another one. So you can kind of play with all the different colors. So the ear pads are all different colors. The yeah. headbands are different colors. So you can swap it all out. The headband to me is the game changer. This is a, <laughs> this is something that very few gaming headsets offer. I think there's only one other company right now that's doing it. And for somebody like me that has like a like a, a weirdly small head, um, it, like like you said, headsets just feel very heavy on my head, particularly when we're gaming for really long sessions. If I'm doing a raid in Destiny 2 or if I'm, you know, doing a long RPG session in a game like Ghost of Tsushima or, you know, a game you mentioned like Death Stranding, where you want to be able to wear something that is going to be comfortable for multiple hours at a time. And so many of the really high-end headsets have great audio quality, but just are not comfortable. And it's such a hard thing to wrestle with. 
It is. It is. And it's also hard to figure out, like, why are they not comfortable? Because uh, it's different comfort levels on different people. The beauty of this headband is it, right, it's stretchy. So it distributes pressure across the top of the head. So it's not one spot anymore. And because we were able to lower the weight and we were able to use this to di- distribute the pressure, our clamp force doesn't have to be quite as strong on on the ears either. So we're able just to kind of lower and really take advantage. Plus we offer these in all these wonderful colors. They're so fun. Purple and green and yellow on the one on my headset. So, um, yeah, you can use that to also customize and, and change it up. So it really, it's a dual benefit thing. It's more comfort. It's less weight. Well, it's three benefits and the color customization of it. I think that that is so indicative of where gamers are at in culture today, this idea that we love customizing our experience, whether it be our character in a game or our gear outside of a game. Obviously, the RGB that has infiltrated a lot of gaming gear (laughs) is a poster child for that, right? Of gamers saying, hey, I want to customize my experience. I want to customize the way my my lights look, the way my keyboard looks, the way my mouse looks. And, you know, now the way my headset looks. And I, I know that some people, when I was tweeting about this headset, because I love, I love things that light up if it wasn't obvious from my set. Um, <laughs> they were like, yeah, but the lights are on the front. Who's going to see them? And I was like, well, if I'm streaming with them on, the stream will see them. But also, like, I don't care if anybody else sees them. I like the way that they look. And it's, it's super comfortable, which is really, again, the number one most important thing. But I did want to mention that what I think was interesting talking about the tech of this is that there's a lot of the learnings that Logitech has over the years and also from some of the partners that Logitech has worked with and acquired over the last couple of years that went into this headset. People like Blue, right? So Blue Microphone has been partnered with Logitech for a while now and that technology is baked into this headset as well. Yeah, that's right. Blue Voice uh, is part of the digital package you get with this headset. So when you go into G-Hub, you can turn on, uh, actually, I think it, it might be on, but you go in there and you can change the settings. So for example, you can pick an already programmed profile that you want your voice to sound like an FM broadcaster or some of the pros that we work with, you can see what their settings are in there. Um, so it allows to take a bit what's a pretty much a basic mic and really elevate it to a different level and also lets the consumer play with it a little bit. Um, and so this Blue Voice and actually our our partnership with Blue, you're going to see that probably more and more um, throughout throughout our products and, and programming. But yeah, we do have great partners. That's what's awesome about Logitech. You know, Astro's in there, Blue's in there, Streamlabs is in there. Uh, and so you can, you can bet we're all talking and, and uh, figuring out what's best for our consumers. I think that that's great because it ultimately means that gamers are going to get the best products. And I always talk about the importance of microphone. Obviously, I'm using our studio setup since we're recording. Um, so I have my my tried and true Sure microphone. But um, I've got my boom right here. And you have a special attachment on your boom <laughs> mic, which is so important for gamers who like to breathe into their microphone. <laughs> um, and I didn't know that you guys were doing these little mic covers. They're so cute. Yeah, so we have five different ones. Uh, they're available on Logi.com. Five come together in a pack for $9.99. Uh, they're available now. And so they're the exact same material that the mic cover is usually made out of, but 
they're just bigger and in a shape. And so they don't impact your voice um, or your mic quality or anything, but they do let you have a lot more fun. And so this actually came out of our Taiwan team, um, the part of my team. You know, it was kind of funny. I, I had them bring in fruit one day. I like to do a lot of innovation exercises and I had them bring in fruit one day or food that could make our headsets better. And they all talked about fruit and how it could make the smell. And we were like, well, the mic's really close to your nose. Why don't we, why don't we make mic shapes? And so that's where it kind of came from. But yeah, these are, these are super fun so far. And I hope, I hope people are buying them for their kids that are, uh, you know, back to digital school right now. Cause I think oh, that's probably a lot of fun for the I teachers. Didn't even think about that as a good use case for them. Here me thinking, I just want the people that I'm on voice chat with to not have that like, <sighs> We all know that friend. <laughs> totally. I just, uh, the people in my clan um, know that I just call people out when they start breathing in the mic like that. I'm like, who is, who is it? Who's breathing? And then sometimes it's somebody's fan that's blowing across their mic, which is a common problem as well. But these windscreens, not only do they help cut down that just a little bit and make it you know, more clear, but you can do it with some personality. <laughs> yep. Yep. Super fun. I love that. Um, so I did want to also mention a little bit about this idea. We talked a little bit about personal style and how style is so important to gamers. And I think as a community of really diverse gamers here at What's Good Games, we really appreciate the idea that Logitech is thinking about ways to appeal to gamers who maybe were always kind of left on the outskirts of the gaming community or gaming culture and saying, hey, you know what? We're in an era where we want everybody to know that you can be a gamer at any age. You can be a gamer of any gender, of any race. You can like games like Animal Crossing. You can like games like Candy Crush. You know, it's like those are no longer things that are on the outside of gaming culture. They're all on the inside. And I think that even a small move like offering a headset in this color is an awesome step in the right direction. Awesome. That's great. You know, it, it really comes down to joy, right? And so, and play, you know, so at the end of the day, people play games, like you hear a lot about esports, but it's, it's not really the bulk of people aren't playing for esports. You know, the bulk of people are playing just to have a little fun, a little joy, challenge their mind, connect with their friends. Like that was the thing I was most shocked by is a lot of women play games to connect with their friends in their social circles. And um, once you've actually done it, it's like it's amazing. It's such a cool experience that you wouldn't get otherwise, like for a team to go in and create a goal and work towards it in a game, like whether it's Among Us um, or uh, what's that starving uh, game? I don't know don't if you're. Starve. Yeah, I'm like I don't know if you're working together <laughs> in Among Us so much. At least maybe I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. But the bonding and the uh, you know the actual relationship building that it does is is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it also teaches you just so many skills. Like you know, you can totally utterly fail. You know, I'll play Valorant with some friends a lot and I'll do terrible, but they pick up the slack. And then some days <laughs> I do great and then they're, they're doing terrible. So it's just such a community um, thing that we really want to celebrate it. And so that was part of what the colors and the customization was, is really, it's for anybody, absolutely anybody. Gaming is no longer this thing that that people don't know about. It's literally everywhere. Um, and people really enjoy it for fun and and playfulness and I think the more you play, the happier you are. So, um, yeah, I hope people really enjoy the color and, and just remember to play all the time. 
Absolutely. And one of the things that we really love to push here at What's Good is that it doesn't matter who you are or what gender you are. You're allowed to like all of the different colors. If you like black and that's your thing, that's awesome. If you like pink and you want everything pink, that's okay too. There's a color out there for absolutely everybody and every gender. And while historically marketing in the gaming space has pigeonholed specific products towards specific people, we're not doing that anymore. We're letting people know that you can like whatever you like And we love loving things here at What's Good Games. And I'm definitely, absolutely loving this headset. Don't tell, don't tell my friends at Astro, okay? Because they're going to be very upset about it. (laughs) Definitely. No, I love that you guys, (laughs) I love that you guys support all colors. And that's the same way we feel like we just want to see how someone takes this blue headset and like your background, how they put the lights around the lilac and how they mix it with all the colors and show their personality. You know, I don't know if you ever find yourself on Instagram going through like all the beautiful game desk setups, but they used to be all I've done that on Pinterest a little bit. Yeah. There you go. But now they're so beautiful and it's so interesting. So yeah, we're, we're big fans of inclusivity and, and color. Well, that is fantastic to hear. Well, we're getting to the end of our time together, and I wanted to kind of hear from you if there's anything else about the product that you'd like to talk about, about working in games, about, you know, your secret sneaker obsession that maybe is not so secret anymore. (laughs) I don't know if my sneaker obsession's secret. Um, No, I think working in gaming is just, like, I was telling you before this a little bit, like, you were asking what games I play and I'm playing a whole bunch because I want to understand the audio. So like part of my job is actually to play games and listen to the audio to make sure our products are working for it. And and I work with hundreds and hundreds of people who are all in the gaming industry supporting it from some way or another. So so to think that just by being a pro is the only way you can game for a living, like, no, there's so many jobs out there in gaming and they're so fun and they're so interesting. You know, as soon as a new game comes out and it offers different audio, like maybe the new consoles are coming out, we have to understand it and be prepared for it. And so there's just so much fun and opportunity in the gaming industry supporting games and gaming that um, I, I just hope to see a lot more women coming into it because uh, it's just it's really amazing. And, and we have an awesome group of women actually at Logitech that are that are playing and, and working on projects. Uh, and so it's been really interesting to see how gaming just brought people together. I love to hear that. We, of course, are a women-run business, so we support more women in the gaming industry. We still have a long way to go to even out those numbers, but we're doing it one day at a time. Yep, absolutely. That's great. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for chatting with me about the new G733. I'll give you guys listening and watching a little bit more information right after this. Tiffany, I hope you have fun in your next Valorant session and that you don't become the imposter when you play Among Us because it's the worst (laughs) role to get. Dang it. (laughs) Thank you so much. I wish you all the best in Animal Crossing. (laughs) Thanks. Hey everybody, chatting with Tiffany was awesome, but I did want to make sure you guys got all of the technical information about this fantastic new headset that we were chatting about. Some of the features for the Logitech G733 include a soft dual layer contoured memory foam ear pads that, as Tiffany mentioned, are customizable. Plus, they're ultra lightweight for those marathon gaming sessions without that head squeezing pressure. Glasses wearers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
We also chatted about that RGB lighting with 16.8 million brilliant colors that you can personalize your headset with. The G-Hub software makes customizing your lighting super easy where you can choose from preset lighting animations or you can create your own. Plus, if you're into streaming like we are here at What's Good Games, you can have some fun with it while you're on your streams. We also talked about Logitech G's partnership with Blue Voice. The mic comes with a wide range of filters that help make your voice sound richer, clearer, and more professional. So if you're recording your own podcast, you'll sound great. And as you can see, it's easily detachable if you don't want to play with it. Inside the headphones are the Pro-G drivers, which help you hear every audio cue with breathtaking clarity and deep, booming bass. The drivers are purpose-built to reduce distortion and reproduce precise, consistent, rich sound quality, just as the game designers intended. The G733s also have DTS 2.0 surround sound, which includes advanced surround sound technology that puts you in the middle of the action, so you can hear enemies approaching and get the advantage before they see you. Plus, as with lots of the Logitech G products, it's got that Lightspeed wireless technology built right in. It's a breakthrough wireless that's as fast and reliable as a wired connection with an unprecedented 29 hours of battery life between charges. If you're interested in checking out the Logitech G suite of products, What's Good Games has a special discount just for our listeners. For a limited time, Logitech G is offering What's Good Game listeners 10% off selected products at logitechg.com. Use code What's Good for 10% off while you're shopping today. That's 10% off select Logitech G products with the promo code What's Good at logitechg.com. Thank you so much again to Tiffany Beers for joining us on the show this week. Again, if you guys want more information, logitechg.com is where you've got to go. And I think that's going to do it for the show this week, ladies. Any final thoughts? Uh, no. That's this has been fun. Pressure. This was so a fun pressure. I know. It's like, okay, what I say on the spot? I uh, love you all. I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to thank the two of you for being awesome co-hosts. Um, I couldn't do it without you. Uh, start playing the music, please, because I've run out of things to say. Goodbye, everybody.